This is the Fleet Success Show. It's the only show designed for fleets where we won't pitch you on products, but rather we're going to pitch you on ideas. Ideas around the four pillars of fleet success, stakeholder satisfaction, intentional culture, resource efficiency, and risk management. Ideas from business and technology to fleet and leadership. These are ideas for tomorrow from the lessons of yesterday and today. This is the only show designed to help you raise the lid on your fleet because your fleet can only be as great as you are. We see that greatness in you. This show is for you and we're glad you're here. We hope you're ready. Now let's get into the show. All right, welcome back for another episode of the Fleet Success Show with your host, Josh Turley and Jeff Jenkins. Hey, how's it going? Good. We're uh, we're experimenting with some new podcast equipment, and uh, so far it's going pretty well, I'd say. I like it. Hopefully yeah. you guys see the sound quality's better. Uh, that's what I'm hoping, too. Yeah. So, I mean, not that it was bad, but like just taking it to the next level. It's 100 episodes in. It's like, where do we go from here? Well, we just got to boost the production quality, right? There you go. Can't do anything about the content. The hosts are who the hosts are. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so I, pl- I played our last episode for my daughter. I took her to the gym. So yeah. she just got like seven minutes on there on the way back. And she just looks at me and just like rolls her eyes. Like, oh my gosh, really, dad? We're going to listen to this. It's like, I can't believe you're doing this right now. I said, Jay, you can actually get something out of this episode, right? It's not necessarily <laughs> fleet related. We're all talking about routines. Come on now. Exactly. This is why I need you to get out of bed. We were just talking about that this morning with my wife. So, uh, our, well, so today we wanted to talk a little bit about, um, not routines. We wanted to talk about summit. So yeah. last, uh, two weeks ago we did uh, fleet success summit 2.0 and you know, people have been asking, well, what, what would, uh, how did the event go? What were some of your takeaways? You know, how did it just really, how did it go? Uh, so we wanted to kind of share that with our listeners, some of our key highlights and takeaways, things that we got out of it, yep. uh, things we heard from those who attended, what they got out of it and, and why you should definitely make a point to try to plan for it for next year. Uh, we don't have any dates or any announcements yet, but, uh, you know, definitely be, be thinking about it and, you know, in this kind of content where you can go find this in the future. Um, so Jeff, what were, you know, it, we had 13 different sessions, 12 different speakers. Uh, I had the, the lucky privilege of going twice. Yep. Um, but what were some of your favorite highlights or, you know, takeaways that you took from, from some of the speakers? Well, can I answer that in a minute? Sure. Because one of the biggest things that I heard when we were talking to people at the event Tuesday night after the first day was how do we take all this information and not necessarily just apply it, but how do we get those that are above us, right, to buy in? Because people are super jazzed, right? You're talking about all these great things. You're talking about the four different pillars and different ways you can implement them or ways that you can think about the pillars, but they're like they're they're rejuvenated. They feel great and they, you know, want to go back and take on the world. But then they're like, I, I but I don't understand how I'm gonna be able to get everybody else on board with right. that as well. Because the cool thing about the summit is you go and like it's a lot of information and you feel extremely overwhelmed, but at the same time, like you hear all these great ideas and you're supercharged like the whole time. And then you get back and life settles in. Yeah. And you get busy. And so those things don't get implemented or you set up a meeting with your director or your supervisor and they're like, yeah, that all sounds well and good, but why? 
what's the point? I don't get it. Right. You know? And so my advice is usually just start small, right? You just pick the one thing. And then once that one thing's done, you pick the next thing and that next thing. And you just do these baby steps. I just don't know if you have different advice, whether for people who attended or people that are trying to implement other things, uh, when it comes to, you know, the four pillars of fleet success. Anytime I've gone to a show that like I come back with so much like that yeah. and, and, and I'll tell you, cause and you know, this, um, is it's like, Oh no, Josh went to another conference. <laughs> here's, here's the slew of like, it's like an avalanche. Right. And, and all these great ideas and, and some of them, you know, they catch hold and a lot of it is just like, I'll throw it on the team and see what resonates. It's like, Oh yeah, no, that definitely is a pain point. And whenever there's pain behind something, it creates inertia, right? right. It creates a, a, a reason to change. Uh, other times, like I'll have a great idea. It's just not the right time for that idea. Uh, so, you know, put it in my notebook and I'll file it away for later. Um, but yeah, don't be surprised if like, you know, you go back with a whole bunch of great ideas and the team's like, oh, okay, you know, we just got to, you almost have to like weather the storm of inspiration that comes through from an event like that. Right. Um, you know, which isn't great, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not to say that, uh, every idea you have is going to be wasted or something like that. When you do communicate it to your superiors, be looking for those things that are hot, that are painful, that are, you know, there's emotion behind them because then you are more likely to get some buy-in and get some, uh, some energy behind, you know, whatever you're trying to get done. Uh, and if you can show some small wins, so I liked what you said about, you know, start small, get some quick wins under your belt. Cause the faster you can get some windows under your belt, the more momentum you start building. Yep. Right. And that's really all this is, is a momentum game. Uh, cause you're trying to get people aligned behind you. You're trying to get people bought into what you're talking about uh, and you just keep, you know, pushing uh, but the faster you can have some credibility, uh, the more likely you are to, you know, to get more people onto your side later. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that's a good advice. So, uh, to answer your question, first of all, I have, um, and I'm not saying this cause you're my boss, but I do have the pleasure of like hearing you talk more than most people. Uh, yep. Right. But you set a very, very good tone when you open up those things, right? Because you talk about like the broad picture and how people, you know, how you receive the information, right? So, yeah. hey, at the end of every talk, we're writing down our biggest thing that we got that was a takeaway. And that was totally just like an off the cuff, like, hmm, how do I make sure they're getting something out of this? Oh, I know this is something I've done in the past. Right. Didn't even put in my slides. It was just like, okay, after the end of every session, we're doing key takeaways, you know, and uh, that totally was a, like a spur of the moment thing. And then it was like, once you say it, now you've got to say it at the end of every session, right? right? Yeah. So Not just for mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, no, it was good because it forced people. Like once they knew you were doing that, I think people, not necessarily they weren't going to pay attention before, but I think it forced them to really dive deeper into what they were looking to take out of each individual mm -hmm. speaker, right? And you could see like the, the intensity, I guess, sometimes when people were listening and, and, and what they were paying attention to specifically. Yeah. But it would be very hard to call out like one specific, I think, person or topic on, hey, this was the most impactful. Now, but if I was to do that and I was like, you were saying, hey, you have to pick one. Here's the one that I would pick is I would pick the, the conversation about data analytics that Mark gave. Mm, yeah. And the main reason I say that is because I, I can read a P&L and I can you know, make decisions financially. But when it comes to overall metrics, I usually struggle with like how to put them together and that kind of thing, right? Yeah. But Mark has this way of, of talking about data and analytics in a way that, one, 
he makes it so it's relatable to everybody and it's easier to understand, but the fire behind it about the importance, right? Cause what, right. what's, you can't make decisions if you don't have the data, right? Well, you can make a decision. You just don't know if it's the right decision or not. And I think that people, if, if they better understood like all the different stuff that they've got going on through the data that they have, the decisions would be so much easier to make. Yeah. But how do you compile all that in there? Or what do you need? Or what are the main focus points when it comes to data? So kind of outlining some of those for people to be able to take away and go back and be like, okay, well, here are the, here are the things I need to concentrate when it comes to looking at data and then making positive uh, decisions. Like, I, I think people needed to hear that. Yeah. And I especially like his emphasis too on, you know, the spotlight's never been brighter on fleet than right now, you know, now's the time to tell your story and let data help you tell it. Yeah. Right. And don't tell the wrong story. You know, um, I think with data, it's easy to, to get kind of bombarded with the amount and the volume of information coming at people. Uh, but he did a really good job of kind of like, Hey, just, you know, focus on these areas, uh, and look for, you know, look for the right metric. You know, and I loved the, the graph he showed of, uh, you know, cause he's comparing EVs versus, um, how, what did Al call it? Um, conventionally fueled vehicles, CFEs oh, yeah. <laughs> instead of ice. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and he, you know, and he just showed this really amazing graph and he was like, okay, so this graph, you look at it and it's really cool. And it shows you just, you know, like here's the actual long-term impact of, you know, flipping to an EV only strategy. Um, and then he says, and now this graph is going to put those savings into perspective with your CapEx and your OPEX, like just, and it was amazing to see this graph that had a lot of volatility in it. Yep to suddenly essentially become like nothing like, you know, it dropped all the way and, and, and it's an awesome slide. If you get a chance, you can go look at it. Um, you know, but this chart basically like the percentage of your overall was so minimal that it was like, it wasn't going to have a huge impact. Right. Um, which, you know, it made people all of a sudden like, wait a minute, we've got to question this now. Uh, but that's the whole thing is like, you have to tell the story with data because data, you can't just go off of a, a gut reaction or, you know, as he kept saying, go in with, go in with eyes wide open. Yeah. Right. Like if you're going to make the decision and you want to do it for ESG reasons or anything like that, then make it for those reasons. Don't make it because of economics. Now he's, he's just going off of his data and he's like, and there's other data that might show that there is a bigger impact economically. Um, but my models weren't showing that. Right. Yes. Um, and so it was really insightful to me as like, Hey, this could be the thing. And we've talked about that on this podcast before about being pragmatic pragmatic with EV adoption. Um, and his, you know, his presentation, and he doesn't have a dog in the fight. He, he actually says that right at the beginning. Yeah. You know, he's like, whatever you want to do, I'm here to support you, but let's make sure that we're doing it informed by data, mm-hmm. you know? And so, and his was too, I felt bad cause we put him right after lunch <laughs> and it was so much information. Like he was running through slides uh, you know, getting to the end of the 60, but I'll tell you that that was probably one of the ones that I heard a ton more uh, feedback from attendees. Like, Oh my gosh, like this was gold. Right. Uh, and attendees have actually heard this presentation before either at RTA connect or at NAFA or NCSFA, uh, you know, cause Mark's done this presentation a couple times. Um, and he just, it's still, every time you take away something different, you know, and usually again, that goes back to the pain. What's your most acute pain right now? And, and you listen to something, you're like, oh, that's, that's new. That's a new take on something. I've heard this before, but he said it in a different way this time. And it, it clicked. 
Went along. So, and a lot of people struggle with that. That's why it was so impactful. Right? Yeah. And it doesn't take away from what anybody else spoke about. Yeah. But like data is a hard thing for a lot of people, not only to accumulate, but to also read yeah. and to understand. And he spells that out very well. So, Damn. and I got the same feedback. Actually, that's one of the reasons why I bring it up is because a lot of people talked about just the data, you know, and they wanted the slides afterwards. Hey, can I get those slides? Can I get the yeah. presentation? You know, just so I can have that as a reference point. Yeah. Well, and then in two, you know, so I can go to my superiors and, and make my case. Right. And how do I go do that? When he lays out this really nice outline, this is how you're going to go tell your story. Right. And, and speak in their language, not in your language. You know? Yes. Uh, that was a really key takeaway. Um, I think, you know, like my dark horse, the one that really surprised me, uh, you know, like we had Don on the podcast before. Yeah. He impressed me. Like, Don's a smart guy. Yeah. He, he's smart. He's, um, he's got uh, charisma. Yeah. Like, he was fun to listen to, you know, and I was expecting like, okay, risk management, you know, here comes Toby from the office, you know, <laughs> yeah, guys, we need to make sure that we're being a little bit safer today. Don't do nothing stupid. Right. Like I was expecting just, you know, kind of like, oh, okay. I'm going to be a little bit bored during this presentation. We had him on the podcast. And I was like, you know, he's actually really fun to talk to. And then he showed up on stage and it was like, wow, who is this? Who is this? This is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and I, cause I'd never really heard him speak before. hadn't really attended anything. Just the, the amount of stories that he has, the positions that he's held. Um, you know, I mean the fact that he was an armor army ranger in the airborne, crazy like it was just like holy cow this is a guy who talks about safety yet he used to jump out of airplanes so <laughs> like this is the kind of guy you want running your safety division oh right? yeah yeah That's... somebody who's all about balanced risk well and what's funny is um and he even told the story he didn't even start out in the industry as a safety person he was no. in operations yeah like he was just trying to make money he was increasing that revenue yeah. and then he brought up um a bunch of issues with risk management and he kind of just pivoted into that direction yeah and just like risk management by accident yeah which i feel like is every fleet manager story right is fleet management by accident yeah um i think one of the key and i even posted about this on linkedin one of the things that really struck me as he was speaking was the idea that you know we essentially kill a 737's worth of people on our highways every week crazy right like could you imagine a 737 just going down every week and we're like yeah okay that's just a risk of air travel it's just right? normal um i posted that on linkedin and i had a couple people and it actually almost like proved my point right is that i had a couple people immediately like josh you're comparing apples and oranges right we have millions of more people traveling oh. via roadways and i'm like fine maybe it's not a 737 every week what if it was a 737 every six months in this nation. Yeah. Right. Like, fine, let's, let's extrapolate this out. Like what this actually turns into. If we were to do apples to apples, mm -hmm. numbers to numbers, right. Millions of miles traveled via air versus millions of miles traveled via roadway, you know, and then they're like, well, yeah, but you don't have all the licensing requirements or the inspections or anything like that that go mm, into. It's not the, necessarily like, true. But my point was, is they were totally fine with that. Right. But if it happened every six months, it'd be a front page story on the news for oh, weeks. Oh, for sure. Right. But it's not a big deal because it happens in like ones, twos, threes, fours. Well, and we keep calling it what? Accident. Yeah. Instead of a crash. Right. Right. Or an incident, you know, that was, that was, it was like intentionally or unintentionally caused, but. Doesn't matter. It was due to eyelid negligence, uh, ignorance, or incompetence. Right. And, and we just we've accepted it. Right. And that way I think was like the whole point of what Don was talking about and what my point of the LinkedIn post 
was like, we've accepted that it's okay for us to kill a 737 worth of people on the highway every week. And it's just part of doing business. You know? And it's never like, you don't ever hear about it unless it's a school full of kids or like a van full of kids or it's something. It's got to have the shock factor. Yeah. Right. It doesn't have it no. at all. But people, yeah, people die in car accidents all the time, yeah. every day. And some, and you know, a good portion of them are preventable. Yeah. Uh, because of either speed, um, excessive, uh, well, no, what was it? Excessive speed, distracted driving. There was a second category though. He had right after speed. Uh, maybe it was just failure to maintain control. I, I think I remember what that was. Yeah. I think that's what it was, but I thought distracted was like, uh, the second bucket, but it, maybe not. It was lower on the list than I thought it would be. Yeah. You know, but that definitely is a major one. Uh, maybe it was impairment, like impaired driving. Oh, okay. Uh, and we, you know, like we've talked to people on the, on the podcast. We had a couple of guest speakers two years ago at our first fleet success summit, uh, that talked about, you know, the impact of impaired driving, um, and some of the fatalities we have on that. Uh, but it just, it does, it becomes again, acceptable. You know, we just kind of like roll on and ignore it. Uh, that was one of my biggest takeaways out of all the speakers. Like that's the one I'm going to remember most. The second one I remember most is the, uh, the rating system. I don't remember if it was Tim or Don. They talked about this rating system, but using one through four mm-hmm. instead of like one through five. Cause then it picked you, you have to be on one side or the other. You can't pick right. like middle ground three. Right. Uh, and I really liked that. And so I'm like, Oh, I'm going to start using that more just in general, not even necessarily related to safety or risk analysis. Um, but doing this one through four rating of, and I don't even remember the numbers, you know, but you can essentially, you can bake it out to really bad poor, better than average and exceeding expectations or meeting expectations, you know, some balance of that. Um, but I liked his, his chart when he talked about risk management, he says, look, there's going to be things, you know, you got to look at what's the impact to the business and what's the likelihood of it happening. Right. And rate those on a one through four and you put them on a little graph. He says the ones that you really need to worry about are in the top, right? Right. They've got a significant impact to the business yep. and They've got a significant likelihood of happening. Um, and then he says, you just kind of work your way across the top left until you get to the ones that, yeah, they might not have a, a big impact, but they're almost guaranteed to happen. Right. And it, it just, it was a fun little quadrant, you yeah, know, it's forcing you to make the hard decisions. Yep. Right. Cause you, now your focus is on what needs the most attention. Well, and it's telling you a story with data, Yeah, you know, and, and it's a way to kind of quantify things in, into buckets that it's, it's hard to ignore. And just say, well, I don't know what to focus on first or, you know, like I'm just paralyzed by all these different options. And, you know, it, it creates you, like you just create organization out of it. And from there, it's a lot easier to make decisions. It's the same thing that Mark was talking about. You know, you have all this data. You got to be able to organize it into a way that is easy to understand, interpret, and then make decisions based off of. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think that was Tim. I don't want to misquote, but I didn't think I it was thought, Tim. I think it was Tim too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sam was great as always. I think he was probably our favorite speaker based on the feedback we got. Sam's just got a way of like, uh, connecting with people that a lot of don't. And it's, it's like a little self deprecation. It's a little bit of humor. Right. And then the passion. Yeah. Sam displays a lot of passion about learning and people development. And you can really, and it's through his own story, right? Cause he had the experience of starting pretty much like, like nothing 
Right. And then he's kind of worked himself up into this, like, uh, hey, I've read all these books. I've taken all these different ideas. I've tried to apply them to myself. And now with Dutch Brothers, I'm trying to help, you know, these other people who start at minimum wage jobs essentially become more successful. And, like, he, you can just feel his passion when he talks about people and how much he cares about them. And it's and it's genuine. Yeah. Right? And I, and I think that like, that combination of genuine passion just resonates with people it triggers something in them mm-hmm. you know and they're just like man he was just awesome and i felt moved by that um there was another moment and i don't remember if it was it might have been was it after sam might have been after anita um but we had one of the attendees you know basically talk about investing in the people beside him yep. right and like he brought his whole team so there's five of them from this one city that showed up and uh, as he was talking about his team like just it became intensely emotional, got really choked up. Yep. You know, there's probably dead airspace for about 10, 15 seconds, you know, as he was gathering his thoughts and feelings. Um, and that was a moment because I think everybody in the, in the crowd could feel that. Oh yeah. And I'm like, and you want to know what those guys are going to do for him, right? They're going to go to war for that guy, right? Because they know he cares about them and genuinely wants to see them succeed. Um, you know, it was just definitely one of those, like, did y'all, did you feel that? Like, don't let that moment slip. You got to feel that and, and recognize what you want to be because that's it right there. Yeah. You and know? everybody, like it was, it was not going to say uncomfortable, but it was like a, a wow moment. It, like it pricked you a little bit. It, it did. Know? And the, the prick came when he paused because yeah. you knew he was composing himself from the emotion and the love that he had for those because he had two people on each side of him. Yeah. Right. So the love for those people. And then, you, you know, I went from looking at him to the people that were next to him and they stopped looking at him because they were getting emotional. Yep. Right. They kind of looked away because they didn't want to have that outward display. Right. Well, and I would venture to say that you probably don't see that at any other fleet conference you go to. Doubtful. Yeah. Right. I mean, and that's the kind of thing that we're working on is, is the people, right. Is the people aspect of it. Um, and I think that came through loud and clear. You know, I think we had, we only had, three speakers really talk about intentional culture, but it ended up seeping into almost everybody's presentations, whether it was risk management, resource efficiency, stakeholder satisfaction. I felt like intentional culture ended up almost removing itself as a pillar of fleet success and becoming like the foundation of fleet success. Well, I think you could classify it as that. Yeah. Like that, the feedback that we get, and it is not really just at the summit, but it's when we talk to people, it always gets back to the culture and it always gets back to, you know, we don't have one or we have one, but no one cares about it or, or focuses on it. And, you know, we've got all these problems because of it. And, you know, people need it. Yeah. They're, they're, they're just like longing and grasping for something to hold on to when it comes to creating a good environment that people want to work in and that they want to actually come to every day. And it's hard. Yeah. And it's hard. And that's, and I think that's why a lot of places it just doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, Anita did well, Christine did well, I mean, you know, and the, both of those are non-fleet people right. coming in talking to just fleet people. So that was, it was fun to see them try to make that leap. Um, you know, and I'd say they did an okay jump. I'm not going to say they're like, oh yeah, they walked it out of the park, you know, not like Sam did, but, uh, what they had to say, they got it right. Like there was a, you know, like there was definitely moments where it was like, yep, they understand what they're going through. And then they said something that you know, the audience members were definitely coming away with and they brought the perspective that we were wanting, right. Which is like the non fleet perspective. Yes. These are people that have grown up in industry, grown up in business and they're, 
you know, Anita, you know, it was actually in construction. So she at least had an element of it. Um, you know, but like this, this gray collar work that we're doing, right. Cause it's not blue collar anymore. Uh, and it's not quite treated with the respect of a white collar profession. Right. So it kind of ends up in between, uh, but to have people like Christine and Anita come in and, and really lay it. I, I like how genuine they are as well. Right. Like they're not afraid to mix it up. No. Start swearing on stage. Like they just, you know, it's, they're, they're totally real. They lean in. They know how to, they know how to fit the mold. They do. It's funny before Anita went on, she's standing next to me and I'm just like talking to her a little bit and she looks over and she's like, Hey, is it, is it okay to swear on the stage? I look at, I go, you're asking the wrong person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If she had asked me, I'd have been like, you're totally fine. You you just be you, right? Like just be your most genuine self. Right. And if, cause I've heard her drop F bonds on stage. Yeah. Um, I'm like, if that's what just, you know, whatever, Whatever the Holy Spirit's going to tell you, you go ahead and you just say it out loud. That's right. right. You know, and they uh, just run with it. Be genuine. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, if you weren't there, you definitely missed out. Wish you guys could have been there. Uh, You know, it just, I would suggest trying to make it a priority when you start seeing stuff about it. Um, You know, we're looking at ways to to make sure that it's effective, that we're getting the message to the right people, uh, getting the message out in the right ways. Um, You know, there'll probably be some changes coming up around that event, uh, but keep an eye out for it. You know, look for events like this anyways. Uh, cause you know, you're missing out. Like you're just, you're missing this. Yeah. If you're relying just on yourself to make changes, you're going to fail. Yep. You, you need help. You need outside input. You need outside resources. It's just hard to do it when you go at it alone. Yeah. How's that proverb go? If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Yeah. Right. Cause it is, it's the only way to sustain momentum is with people around you instead of fighting against people all the time. Uh, and honestly you need something that's going to outlast you. Yeah. And I think that was probably like, I think that was my last, I didn't really talk about succession planning too much. Um, but I do know that was one of the things that like I took away from Jim Collins and my wrap ups remarks were all about, Hey, here's key takeaways that I've gotten from uh, studying Jim Collins. Uh, but the lack of succession planning really is about lack of legacy. Mm-hmm. Right. And you not being able to build a team and grow it beyond you so that when it's time for you to step away, it will continue. Right. Um, and if you can't build a culture and build something like that, that's going to outlast you, then what have you really done? Right. Yeah. Other than just fought the system, gone through the motions. Yep. For, yeah. yeah. Stat- status quo maintain. So that was definitely a, a moment too. And I think even, a couple of the speakers came up and, and they mentioned something to that effect of like, ah, I think I've, I thought I had the guy and I don't have the guy, Yeah, you know, uh, you know, as they're trying to think about who's going to carry this legacy. Cause you know, you were putting a ton of time and energy. If you're in a fleet and you've been fixing that fleet for years and it, you know, like, you know how much energy it takes to do it. Um, you know, and I know even Mark said something to that. He's like, you know, I held on too long. I, I didn't get out early enough. Um, and then somebody else looked like, yeah, I've, I'm waiting for the day that I can get out because my people aren't ready. Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, you've got to get ready for that moment so that when you leave it, a, it's better than it was when you left it. And the person that you put in charge of it next can make it better than you did. You know, um, unfortunately we see too many where the guy leaves and the person stepping into their shoes just totally, you know, decapitates that organization. Um, I've seen it with my customers. We've got some local counties here that I know exactly when the moment shifted. Um, Well, the focus changes, right? 
you know, and the focus, the culture, the personality, all of it. Yeah. You can definitely tell, especially when the focus goes off of people yeah. to things like that's when you start to see a lot of detraction in an organization. Yeah. That little things. And this, that actually came out of a conversation versus an actual, uh, session, but like that, that whole idea and, and it was the same gentleman who was talking about his people, right? He's talking about, yeah. you know, like, Hey, I'm going to be stepping aside here in the future. And like, he's got to build a legacy, you know, and, and what do we want our legacy to be? So that was a fun takeaway. Yeah. And listen, I love the speakers, but like the conversations afterwards, just yeah. hearing what people took away from the individual speakers or what resonated, you know, most with them yep. is fantastic because everybody had a different, most pivotal moment from some speaker, right? They were not the same, right? Everyone has their favorites. Like, Oh, I love what this guy said, yada, yada. But you know, so I pick something up from Craig or I pick something up from Al or I pick something up, you know, just like through yeah. the list from Tony or Mark or Christine, like every, I heard everybody take away Hey, this was my most impactful about a different speaker. Yeah. There was nobody left out. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely, you know, it wasn't like one speaker dominated. It, there was something for everybody, yeah. you know, wherever you were at in your journey, there was something there for you. You know, and, and the guy from, uh, you know, from this city that I keep mentioning, he didn't, he's built an intentional culture. So a lot of that stuff might've been probably more reminders and he probably even had a couple takeaways, but his biggest takeaway was, was the data. He yeah. was like, okay, now I'm ready to move into that next realm. Right. I mean, this is too, like why we talk about fleet success is all four pillars as this balanced mastery between all four of them, instead of just an overemphasis on one. Um, we probably are trying to make up a little bit for the lack of focus on this. You know, like we, we spend a lot of time on intentional culture. Well, we do. Cause it's, I think most people you're like you said that they don't focus on it. There's no attention given to right. it, but it's not more important. Exactly. Right. Like you do have to still balance the other three or four. Uh, otherwise you're going to end up. I, and I do remember saying this in my opening remarks, right. Was you might think you have a great culture, but if your team's not winning and you're not meeting your goals and you're not, you know, beating whatever, then you don't have as great a culture as you think, right? Because uh, you've got to have both. You can have a healthy organization, but a truly healthy organization is meeting its goals and beating, you know, like doing what it says it's going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes straight out of Patrick Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team, right? And if you've mastered all four of the other dysfunctions, but you're still not getting the results, then you're not totally functional, you know, because that fifth one is the inattention to results. Right. It's achieving yeah. your goals. And so it takes all five of those to have a truly healthy team, but a truly healthy team won't allow for that fifth dysfunction to be ignored. Right. And so that's, you know, and I think that's kind of the point of that statement, right? Which is if you think you have a truly healthy organization and you have a truly great culture, it's not going to allow you to ignore missed targets, uh, over cost overruns or things like that. Right. If you have a goal as a, as a company to, uh, you know, get your PM compliance done on time or improve uh, your customer satisfaction ratings or any number of things in fleet, but you're not getting those goals, your culture is not where it needs to be. And I think that's why we always go back to it uh, is because a truly healthy culture won't let you do that. Right. It won't let you miss it. It won't let you ignore it. Yeah. So. Maybe it is the foundation. Maybe we got we don't blow up this whole model now. Oh my gosh! Damn it! <laughs> All right, just when you ha- thought you had something figured out, right? Totally. 
That happens a lot, actually, you guys. <laughs> it does. My executive team's like, well, no, he did it again. We're starting over. Uh, all right, well, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, again, you know, make sure to be looking for this. Uh, come check out the playbook if, you, uh, if you're tuning in for the first time. Uh, you can go fleetsuccessplaybook.com. Fleet uh, go request a copy out there. Uh, third edition is going to be coming out here pretty soon. Yes, and we had to do a third edition because, you know, nothing's ever perfect, I guess. We're working um, on it, though. Yeah, we are. And then, uh, you know, be on the lookout for any uh, news Fleet Success Summit related. Otherwise, you know, share the podcast. Uh, you know, let other, other people know about the movement, what we have going on around here uh, with intentional culture, stakeholder satisfaction, uh, risk management, and resource efficiency. And really not in that order. I could probably say them in any order because I just flipped up the order right there, too. It wasn't even one, two, three, four. Yeah, well, I mean, there is no order. So. There's no order. So, all right. Until next time, guys. Hey, take care. Thanks. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Fleet Success Show. Rate it. Go subscribe to it. You know the drill. Be sure to share your best takeaways with your peers because nobody walks the road to greatness alone. Now, get moving. Go and be the great fleet leaders that we know you are. Until next time.